Welcome to episode number 47 for the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host through this episode. Buying poultry farms and selling poultry farms is Ashley McCraney's specialty. This National Land Realty agent was awarded the Apex 2022 National Broker of the Year in Agribusiness Sales by the Realtors Land Institute for a reason. She's very good at what she does. She's a top producer of agricultural land sales specializing in poultry as well as being a chicken farmer herself. Today, we're talking with Ashley McCraney about what it takes to run a poultry farm, how to raise chickens, and even how she has helped new farmers start a chicken farm. Ashley helps clients buy chicken farms and sell chicken farms, and she's here today to tell you some of her knowledge. Now sit back and enjoy. I am sitting here with Ashley McCraney, and for those of you that don't know, I have been chasing Ashley down for about the last three months trying to get her on an episode because she has so much knowledge to drop on, on especially poultry. But before we go into that, Ashley, you're out of Louisville, Alabama, which also steered me to that because I definitely would have mispronounced that. I would have said Louisville, Louisville, Alabama. Um, Ashley operates all over Alabama. And um, before we kind of jump in here, Ashley, I just want to, if you could give me some background, like how did you end up as, as a uh, land broker, you know, like, you know, how did you get here? That's actually a really interesting story. I um, spent a lot of years in the poultry industry. I'm a poultry producer. I own Raising Grace, which is a four house roller farm in Louisville, Alabama. Um, I really saw a need. My husband and I had bought our first farm when we were younger and it was an older farm and it needed a lot of updates. And so we went through that process. We bought it. We updated it. I mean, we, we probably put $250,000 into that farm. And it was like new when we, when we ended up. But there was no one to really lead and guide you in that process. And then we were crazy enough that we turned around and did it again. I bought my four-house farm, Raising Grace. We did the same thing. We updated it. Um, we kind of knew more what we were doing then. We kind of knew what lending to do, what kind of products to use. You know, we knew that we wanted the same equipment on both farms, the same capability on both farms. And when we really got finished... Um, we kind of reflected on the fact that there was no one there to help us in that process, that there's tons of people lining up when you want to build brand new roller farms or breeder farms or pullets, but there's no one there when you're buying that existing farm and remodeling it to tell you what to put into it or what um, programs that you need to run in it or, you know, what kind of feeders you need or what kind of feed lines, you know, that you just didn't have the same, like when you're building brand new, you get a set of specs and you just follow it. But when you're, you know, remodeling like that, you, you get the choice in there. There's not as much guidance and help and people along there to help you. So then there became a big expansion a few years later. We've, we've been running both farms together. I mean, our entire family, we homeschooled our kids on the farm. I mean, we really were all in into the poultry industry. Um, we were, we both are big in the Alabama Farm Federation. Um, we're on the state poultry committee. I mean, we're just, we really have a passion for the poultry industry. And so it came a few years into it and they started doing another huge expansion in our area. So expansions with the poultry industry only happen in phases. Like there might be one every five or six years, sometimes 10 or 12 years before there's one. It just depends on the market and if it's growing and the process and ability of that processor, like the volume. I wanted to ask, so when you're saying expansion, 
you mean you mean bringing on new farms or allowing existing farms to grow is that like basically it's uh, a new investment right like there's putting money into growth so in other words it's before like we've had the same just say 100 houses grown for the same process and facility and then like they say okay well now we're gonna add 20 new farms so they'll go to our existing growers that are performing really well if you have um, top performance, then you're, they're going to go to you first. Okay, you've only got four houses. We'll allow you to build this many if you would like. So they go to their existing uh, producers first, but then they'll put out so many letters of intent. They'll they'll allow so many people to say, and they'll interview them, make sure they're going to run it themselves. They have to meet certain criteria. They have to have land um, that's the right distance away from this. You know, it's got to be 1,500 feet from a church or a business, a home. I mean, there's there's parameters it has to meet. And so then they'll they'll allow so many and they'll build these new farms. Um, so when expansions happen, everything's really excited. It helps the economy around here. It gets, you know, people into the poultry industry that, that have never been there. And so you have people leaving Michelin, leaving um, working oil rigs, leaving these big paying jobs that they've been and coming in and building these brand new houses. And so many of them go in with the mindset that, oh, this is easy. I do this a few hours a day. They're brand new. They'll run themselves and they don't have a poultry background. But they were hard workers. I mean, they're, they're men that, and women that were working full-time jobs and, and providing for their family already. And so they, they're hard workers, right? But if you don't have the background in poultry and you don't know how to run the operations and you don't know that every single flock you need to rotate around the fans that are always coming on, otherwise you're running the same five fans for three or four years and you're not rotating around, you don't know the maintenance programs, if you don't know the little things like that from the experience that you gain with it, all of a sudden, four or five years down the road, especially that three year, about year three, it starts getting that way, but year four, it's really that way. All those people who got into it because they thought that they ran themselves or that it was going to be really easy, they realized by that point that this is a full-time job, that if you're even if you're out of chickens, you're constantly maintenance. And, and all of a sudden, they're going to walk in one day and 15 fans are going to be going out at one time because they ran those same five fans per house, you know, over and over again in their minimum event program. And then, you know, so it's the little things like that. All of a sudden, all the water nipples are going to start leaking in certain areas where the pressure is the highest at and it's been putting the most wear and tear on it. And then you have a lot of people that want to sell. So I saw the opportunity. I saw that coming because we have been through this enough. We've been in the poultry industry for so long um, that I knew those people were going to need help. They were going to need help either learning how to handle this or transitioning out of this farm because it's not what they thought it was going to be. Um, and there wasn't anyone around to really help with that. And so my husband kept picking on me. He was like, well, quit fussing about it and do something about it. So I did. I started my real estate business <laughs> um, so that I can help those people. I wanted to be the one there to help. And when I was almost done with my classes and one day Forrest during with National Land Realty called me and he said, Ashley, I'm starting a new office in the Southeast region. He said, and I was told if I was going to be successful in the South, that I had to have a poultry specialist and I heard that you were it. And so we, me and my husband went and met with him and we talked and um, I decided to come on board with National Land and me and him decided we'd figure this out together. <laughs> it was his first time being a broker and mine being a, you know, a real estate agent. So um, he helped me a lot in the beginning to figure I knew everything to do with the poultry. I love it. It's my passion. You can hear it when you talk to me, but I didn't know how to be a real estate agent. Like I'm good at sales. I have a, a, a background in finance. I did a lot of finance, ag lending. Um, I worked for BB&T and then I worked... Uh, which was a big bank back then. And so um, I was pretty high up there and did a lot of the corporate size top lending and at work accounts and wealth management and a lot of things like that. Um, and then 
the small community bank at home uh, called me and they were like, you just need to be closer to home and we need someone with ag background to come help in our lending department. So I came and I was in, I helped a lot with ag lending here until we actually built my poultry farm and I could come home to it. And so I had a background in finance and ag lending. So I just, we knew all the avenues of it to make it really work, but I didn't know how to be a real estate agent. I didn't know, you know, those parts of it. So Forrest took time and trained me on those things and really helped me in the beginning. Um, so that's how I got into being a poultry specialist was because that's what they approached me. That was my dream. Like, but I had a five-year plan to get there. And he was like, no, we're going to do it right now. And so I was so excited and he really helped me fast track that. And, I, and I've had a chance to, I've had the pleasure of talking with Forrest. He's a very, he's, he's, got, he's very intense with land and he's very intentional. He has a very careful, methodical, intentional way of going about things. So I'm guessing if he scouted you out, he knew exactly who you were and and I, I could imagine him knowing all those things in advance. And what it seems like is people throughout your career have just came out and found you. <laughs> it's, yes, they it's, have. It's, I really think the Lord just blessed me. He's just sent all the people to put me in the right place at the right time. It, it, yeah. It almost sounds like you're really good at what you do. <laughs> so tell me when I was a banker that I could convince somebody the sky was purple and they'd be like, okay, you're right. Let's go. <laughs> I, it's a good skill to have. Um, but I want to, uh, I want to throw credit where it's due as well. So, so this last year, 2022, you won the, the apex national broker of the year in agribusiness. Um, it was by the, the realtors land Institute. This is, and, and you're the first woman to win this award. Is that correct? Yes, I'm the first uh, woman in history to ever win a broker of the year award through the Apex. Which is a pretty phenomenal because because so so Realtors Land Institute, these are these are our industry, right? This is this is people who work with land real estate. And yeah, you're talking about a very I mean, just bias given, right? You're talking farms, ranches, and hunting. So you're going to have a male-dominated industry. Uh not anymore. Uh you're sort of dominating. And um tell me. So, so tell me about the year that you had and sort of how this came about. Well, um, 2022 was a really good year, but 2021 is what kind of worked up and led to it being a really good year. Poultry is so much different than any other real estate. Um, whereas land, you can close in 30 to 45 days. A house, you can close in 30 to 45 days. I mean, all of these products are quickly to close. You just, you want to buy it, you do your finance and you get it closed. It takes anywhere from anywhere from four to nine months to close a poultry deal. Um, so my work really started in 2021. I worked really hard. I had a really great year. Um, I had really just got a real good feel for what I was doing, my routine, my pattern. Um, and I had went in toward the end of the year 2021 with a lot of things still in the books. So a lot of these farms that closed in 2022 had really started in 2021. Um, I'd really gained a name for myself. The biggest competitor that I have in this area when it comes to poultry is Poultry South. Um, they're a great group of guys that work with, um, well, they work with the poultry. They have a poultry division, but they're really a land group. So they have Southeastern land has a poultry division. Um, so yeah, it's their poultry division. That's, that was my biggest competitor, um, in this area. And so um, I actually, honest to goodness, learned a lot from them in the process of, you know, reading their descriptions, you know, how I needed to handle things um, on their listings. Also, I learned a lot from 
what you were going up against. Cause you know, that's what you always do, right? Uh, us at national land, you know, Hey, we're going to check out the competition. We're looking at white cell. We're looking at, you know, our competitors too. So those are my competitors was poultry South. And so, um, so it really, I'm a very competitive person. So it was, I really enjoyed having that with the competition. You know, it really pushes you. Um, but the biggest thing that I think propelled me to success, especially in 2021, um, to really get this all going um, and get so many farms on the books was just the relationships we built. Like they're the producers that we're selling are our friends. There are producers that we produce with. I'm a poultry producer. I'm not just the wife of a poultry grower. I'm not just the wife of a farmer. I am a farmer. I, I have a whole page that's farm her and my girls, they're big in the ag and the farm her. I mean, and I, I can clean out my chicken houses. I can wash them down. I mean, I can do all the things. I can run a tractor just like my husband can. Um, and so, you know, I had my own farm. And so that common bond you come in, I tell everybody that the reason why people bond with me and the reason why they use me is because we have a shared trauma. Growing chickens is our shared trauma. <laughs> Misery loves company and we're in this together. And so, um, so I, you know, the people that I was selling poultry houses for, they were my friends. They were my neighbors. They, they were at the same Alpha Farm Federation meetings as me. They were at the same grower meetings as me. And so, I mean, that was our common bond we had. And I, I took care of a lot of really great people and they told other people. Um, but I think my biggest propellant to success really was my buyers. Um, I really cultured a relationship with um, a lot of my Burmese buyers and I took care of them. That was my ministry side of it um, was really helping them all the way through because they don't know they weren't poultry producers. They don't come from that poultry background. And so my husband and I really took it as a ministry in helping them. We, we actually trained them on our farm. Um, if I, if they're not buying a roller farm like I have, then I'll take them to a breeder farm that I've recently sold and let them train there. Um, we're with them when they first place their birds and we're with them with their first catch. Um, so, I mean, like we really take a hands-on with our buyers and that's, Ministry side of that is what had, I had a buyers for miles. Like I have a list that I kept that was what everyone's down payment was they had for a farm, what type and what location and where their family members had farms. So I could try to pinpoint the farms closest to them. And so that is what helped me to be so successful was that I had that long list of ready, willing buyers because we put so much into that relationship with them and their families and they loved me and they trusted me and they sent me all their friends and relatives. And so um, I helped a lot of American buyers and a lot of Burmese buyers. And I actually helped quite a few wonderful Vietnamese families as well. So I just had a really good relationship with a lot of interest groups in poultry and they recommended me their family and their friends. And so it really just propelled it from there. Um, so I ended 2021 with several farms still in the books. So February of 2022, I had a lot of closings. Um, and then I had another huge wave where I'd started in 2022 about May. So like it takes about five to six months on typical, some as far as nine to get these things through the door and closed. Um, poultry is more close to like development. If you think of like land developments, we have to have ADEM permits. We have NRCS stuff we have to get done. There's FSA guarantees that are typically involved. I mean, there is a lot of steps of getting this to the closing table. And right. so, so, so I want to just clarify, I want to back you up a little bit. So, so you're talking about the duration of a sale, it's like five months. And, mm -hmm. and when you first started talking about this, you're talking about how you spotted that a lot of people were getting into this without knowing what they're getting into. And, right. and you're talking about it like, I just want to help. And then, so when you're bringing these people on, whether it's a buyer or a seller, you're investing like five months of your life. You brought them to your home and trained them 
just to make sure that the deal didn't go sour. Well, and that was a lot of extra. Like, I mean, that is like that is above and beyond anything that that you normally hear of with anybody that works with with any kind of real estate land or whatever. Like you bring them into your house and home and teach them the way just to make sure that they're successful. That's a big deal. I can't even tell you how many I've actually had out in my guest house because we have a gap between <laughs> they sell everything they have in Indiana or Kansas City. You know, a lot of my buyers are from there, Texas, and they'll sell everything they have there, including their home. And they want this farm in Alabama. And so there's that gap between I closed on this and sold my home and left my job and the closing date on this farm. And I've got to come stay. Well, a lot of times they can't stay with others that have poultry farms because they will be a different type. So they can't go stay on a breeder farm if they're buying a bowler farm. You know, they can't, you can't mix the two types. It's cross-contamination. You could carry in a disease from one to the other that one didn't have. Um, and so they have to come stay in my guest house until I can get them settled on their house. So quick, quick, uh, help help out the uh, uneducated in the room like i'm just talking about me um broilers <laughs> versus breeders okay so most integrators are what we call vertically integrated so it's like a full circle so they on all three steps of the process of getting us to that roller chicken that's going out to chick-fil-a tasks i mean going out chick-fil-a walmart you know zaxby's anywhere you're gonna go buy chicken so the very first step in this is what we call pullets so a pullet house, they're paid based on square footage. Um, they take little baby chicks and they raise them up to the chickens that are going to lay the eggs. So they go low and slow. They um, they don't want to feed them fast. They want them to grow nice and slow. They want them to have nice, strong legs um, and be really good layers. So they stay there for a period of time. And then the next step, they get put on a truck and taken to what we call breeder farms. Okay, so a breeder farm is what people call egg houses, but they're not the eggs you're going to go to the store and buy. So breeder farms are creating the breeder stock for the broilers. So their job is to lay as many eggs as possible and they stay there for around 36 weeks and they're going to produce eggs like crazy. They start off nice and slow because they're just learning how to lay eggs. You get to peak and you're going 19,000 eggs that, I mean, like it goes crazy. And then they kind of wane back down and they get out of their cycle of laying. So those eggs every week are taken from the breeder houses to the hatchery. So they're kept in little incubators and they're hatched out. And the same day they hatch out, the minute they're hatched that day, they go straight to a roller farm. Now we have our houses nice and hot. They're like 90 degrees. We have feed and water on the ground ready for them to go. We've got little trays where they can go. And they instantly go to these feed and water lines and they're nice and warm and cozy. And then we grow them out to whatever desired size. So we have... Um, we have some programs, some integrators have like a four and a half pound program. Some of them have a five pound bread program. There's seven, there's nine. It's based on what the market needs. So like if you go to Sam's or Walmart and you're buying a rotisserie chicken, that was that 485 pound target weight was that bird. But if you're going and you're buying these big, huge chicken legs somewhere, obviously that probably come up a nine pound bird. I mean, like, so you have your different sizes to meet the needs of the buyers. Um, and so that's, that's what we call it vertically integrated. They, they own every part of the process. They have their own feed mills. And like I said, they own every part of the steps from the pullets to the breeders, to the brewers, to the end product they're shipping out. And this is all on one site. This is all in one, like, so, so one particular outfit will have a full right. integration or is, are you going from one farm to another where the pullets are in one? 
So what I always tell everybody when I'm deciding, like when you're deciding where, what area is for what integrator or where you can build house, what land to look for culture built sites, is you take your processing plant, your hatchery and your feed mill, and it's going to make a triangle. So like, just say our Tyson that I grow for, our feed mill is in Brundage, our processing plants in Baker Hill, and our hatchery is in Eufaula. So you could draw a triangle and then I take and draw a circle around that. And everything that fits within that circle is where you could be potential build sites because they want you to be close to one of those three things. You know, you've got to get feed, your chickens have to go to the processing, your chickens have to come from the hatchery. So you need to be in one of those. So I own a broiler farm. I only own a broiler farm. I but got it. Okay. In my area, just if you drew like a 10 mile radius around just my farm, you would have probably at least six other or more ruler houses. But if you start getting toward just five miles down the road from my house, you start getting toward Clive, there you have a huge concentrated of breeder farms. So while we have a lot of rulers in Louisville, Clive is five miles down the road, they have a lot of breeder farms. Um, but we all grow for the same complex. And some of those circles go around. So like you in my area, you can grow possibly for Pilgrims, possibly for Tyson, or possibly for Wayne Farms. Okay, but if I just go a little west into West Alabama, well, then I start getting into cooked foods. That's a different integrator. Their circle doesn't intersect with ours. They don't really have much competition there. If you go to North Alabama, you'll get avian. You'll get different ones there. Avigen, you have cooked foods up there. You have Tyson. You have, so you have your integrator. Uh, you also have Wayne Farms up there. So you have like, when you go to different areas, just because I have a Tyson here don't mean you'll have a Tyson where you are. You could have Wayne Farms, or you could have cooked foods, or you could have one of these other processing facilities. So it all is just based on where their processing plants are, their feed mills are. Things like that. Now, some integrators buy eggs. Sometimes they don't have enough breeder farms to supply their broilers, and they'll buy eggs from maybe they might have a Wayne Farms in Mississippi, and that Wayne Farms in Mississippi might cart eggs all the way down here to the to the hatchery here in Dothan, Alabama, or Enterprise, right. one of their locations. So sometimes they don't have enough to fill it, but most of them can completely handle it within their own company. Gotcha. So, so almost so each one of these companies is completely vertically integrated. They're doing everything from start to finish within the company, but then using farms to like run. So contractors. Yeah. Contractors. But you cannot have a breeder and a ruler. You can only have one or the other because you can't go like if I'm in a it's like to go into my breeder farms to show them when I'm showing listings, I have to suit up in a blue suit, hairnet, booty covers, everything to make sure that I'm not bringing in anything that could affect these birds. Um, and the same thing in my, like if I'm in my broiler farm and Tyson, but I know I'm showing a Wayne Farms farm, I have to be in completely different clothes and I have one pair of boots that's for my own chicken farm and then I have a different pair of boots that's for showing farms. Um, I, you know, I can't keep oh. anything. So I have to be very careful. Um, I try not to ever actually pull into a farm. I park outside the gates and walk in. I mean, you have to be very careful with not doing anything to hamper those birds. You could not bring in, you don't want to bring in anything that could, they could catch or because everybody vaccinates different. The vaccination program for Wayne Farms is different from Tyson. It's different from Pilgrims. And so you could bring in something from one farm to another and that's, you know, dangerous. And with the right. bird flu, you don't want to. So we I was going to say one, one chicken sneezes, you got to get rid of the whole batch. Like that becomes a real like, yeah. So you want to be extremely careful. And so that's why um, we have like, it, it's, it's a whole ordeal just to show a farm. Like we've had to suit up and we try to, I try to never go in them when they're like, even in the trailers. I try to always show farms when they're out of birds. Like if we've got a window that we're going to be out of birds for two weeks, those are the times that I want to show that farm. 
um, when there's no birds in the house and there's no risk. Um, with breeders, you never go into the part that actually has the birds. The only thing you go into is the breezeways and you look in the little windows at them. I mean, so there's very strict. Really? Yes. Like there's very strict. We do not. And then, you know, if they're really serious in it, we can come back when we don't have birds. But breeders go for like 10 months. They have the same flock for like 10 months. Whereas we sell every 40 days. Big birds sell about every 65 days. I mean, so with rollers, it's easy to find a way to get in there, you know, when they're out of birds. But with the you can't. You just got to look through the window, stay in the breezeways, suit up and get out. <laughs> so and what I'm hearing from you is there's an awful lot of opportunity for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing to really tick some people off. Because I could have just imagined I would just step all over everybody. I wouldn't know any of that. And it would. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you don't have expertise, you're not going to you're not going to show the property the right way. Right. Like it's. That's why it's so important to have a poultry specialist on your side. That's why it's so important as a buyer to have a poultry specialist, if that's what you're looking for, and not someone who isn't in this industry, who doesn't know, who could potentially set you off for the company not approving you or that seller not approving you because you just bombarded on their farm in the middle of them picking up eggs. You didn't suit up. You didn't didn't follow any protocol. You know, like you have to know. Um, what the right procedure. And so, and you have to know the right times and you really need to understand the industry in order to do an effective job. So I, I want to ask you sort of about the, the outlook of the industry right now, but kind of before we jump into that, cause I'm, I'm just curious about how, you know, what, what you're seeing in the industry right now, for sure. But I want to backtrack a little bit. You were talking about helping out, you know, people that have never been to poultry before you have families that, that, that have moved in from Burma and Vietnam. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming are probably even new to like culture in the United States. If, if they've moved in from other countries, How most of them moved in before they got here, like most of them have already, um, it's a really, really cute story about, especially a lot of reasons why a lot of my Burma come here. Yeah. Um, the first uh, mission trips that we ever sent out with the Alabama Baptist Association was to Burma. Okay. And so all of them are Christian refugees whose family come a long time ago and, and they put them in populate, like really dense populations, like, um, like Indiana and Kansas city places where they could easily find housing and employment. And so a lot of them, um, associate that kindness, that love, that acceptance with Alabama. And that's the reason why there's such a concentration of wanting these Alabama, Georgia, these farms around here is because that's what they, they associate that with kindness and love and the people who stepped in and helped them and helped them find a better way of life. But they've been in the cities and they want back to the way Burma was. Burma was agriculture. You grew your own food. You lived in a community. You 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 had the farmer's market. You traded one another for what you needed a lot like we do here. Like I run our farmer's market in Clayton, Alabama. I mean, if I've got eggs and you've got blueberries, we're going to trade, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so that's, that's, that's that way of life they wanted back to, but they, so they, you know, they, they're tired of the busyness, but they still want to be, you know, raise their kids the way they were raised, but in a place where they feel safe to do so. So, so these are, this is not brand new to the U S okay. this is okay. That's much different than that. When I was kind of, I had it in my head that it was something different anyways. Um, so regardless, this is, these are families that, have not worked around poultry, right? So how difficult is it to jump into something like this? You you mentioned being unready, like not realizing, oh, you got to actually work. But despite that, like just the overall, like the overall, like the complications of starting out like a large full poultry operation, 
how how crazy is this? It is pretty crazy. Um, one of the first things that you know we have the conversation with them is, what is your background? What did you do before you come? You know, do you are you an electrician? Do you know how to wire a motor? Because I mean, there is a lot of motors in a poultry farm. Every single feed line has a motor. Every single fan has a motor. I mean, there are tons of motors and electrical parts to this. I mean, this is just like running maintenance in a plant that you're at. I mean, you've got all of these houses with tons of motors in every one of them. So how well you, how well of an electrician are you? Um, can you troubleshoot basic? Um, you know, if the water level's low, do you know what to do? Like, so I try to get like the basic knowledge of what was your background and let me show you how this is going to be useful in what you're doing. Um, so I've had a lot of electricians. I've had a lot of just maintenance guys in general. They worked in processing plants. But then I had a lot of guys that were like, no, I just, you know, worked on the line at a, at a processing facility or, you know, I just worked in a factory or, you know, so they don't have the background. And so that's where you really want to take the time and kind of show them, um, you know, the basics. It just depends on where you're starting at with them. Um, but getting them to understand that one of the biggest things you need and the poultry industry is a maintenance background. You have to be able to change out that feed line motor. You have to be able to change out that water nipple. You have to be able to change out the water meter in the control room. You have to understand when the fan's going out, if it's the bearing, the bell, the motor, you know, what you need to do. Sometimes it's just the little wires going to it. Sometimes we have to trace back the wire to figure out what little wire has been rubbed or, you know, shorted. So we can just put a wire nut on, fix it, and keep going. But you, you need to understand those things. Um, the heaters are another big deal to work on. Um, and so like my husband has a great maintenance background. A lot of people who go into poultry do, and it saves you a lot of money and it's a lot of the knowledge you need. You at least need to be able to basically trust you. Um, so that's like step one, like what, what from your background can we take into poultry and let me show you how you're going to use it here. And then step two is the basic husbandry of growing chickens. Um, you know, you, you always want to make sure they have depending on the program or what type of house you have, the right feed, the right amount of feed, um, that, you know, all your feed lines are operating. You want to make sure that they have the right water all the time, that they have constant supply of water and feed. I mean, like, so you need to teach them the basic husbandry. You don't want your floors to get wet because that'll affect their little paws. Paws, we call it paws. That's your paw score. But it's their little feet. Well, that's one of the biggest commodities of poultry, especially in China. A lot of the little feet get shipped to China because it's a delicacy there. So you want to make sure their little feet stay in the absolute best, soft, tender, beautiful condition. So you don't want the floor to get wet or anything that's going to hinder that. Um, so, I mean, you have to teach them like the basic. OK, this is what you're responsible for. You know, you want to make sure that this is this way at all times. Um, and then it's kind of teaching a routine. What what times of day you come in, how often, um, you know, you want to make sure a small thing in another industry could swap out an entire flock for us. Um, so you want to make sure that you're making sure that your generators are tested every single week, that you're there when it runs, that you're logging those hours. You want to make sure that all of your stuff is working properly because one thing not going right can kill off your entire flock um, if you're negligent. So you want to be sure that you push that into their knowledge that you have to be here for every one of these little things. You need to check on your houses three to four times a day. You know, you need to make sure that you're on this farm and that it's operating correctly. Um, and so, you know, that's teaching them the basic husbandry of it, the, the routine of it, when you need to be there, you know? Um, and so, and then that's when we try to start getting hands on, you know, and once we know that they understand the basics of it, you know, we make sure their background's compatible for it. You want to make sure that they're not making a mistake in their decision. So that's when either, I'm going to send them to my farm, let them run it with us for a little while if they're going into broilers, or I've sold so many in the area close to me at this point that usually I can find a friend or a relative of theirs 
um, that they can go and work with that has the same type of farm. And they can really understand it. They can understand their own language often. Um, and so it helps a lot um, to get them to make sure that this is what they want to do before we dive off and sell off everything you own. And <laughs> I want to make sure yeah. we're making that decision <laughs> for you and your family. <laughs> so one, from the sounds of it, y'all don't take a lot of vacations, do you? No, we really don't. <laughs> you're tied down. If you've got birds in the house, you're not you're going to. You're tied down. You're in so it. Really, we have a three-acre pond that the kids keep kayaks and paddle boards and we have a little cabin on it. And then we have an in-ground pool at the house so that the kids, you know, they have what we call in-house vacation staycations. Yeah, yeah. So we have, you know, when we get done with chickens, we got a break before we go back and check it. We can go play on the pond at the cabin or we come home and dive in the pool. So we, we try to have a lot of staycations so that yeah. way the kids realize they're not getting vacations. Well, and I was going to say on the other side of this too, if, if people take on, like, like you say, you know, one of the companies, Tyson or somebody, goes on a growth period and starts expanding. And you mentioned, and I'll let you explain it too. Like you mentioned expansion. Um, if they start doing that and you have people taking on new poultry farms and they don't know what they're doing, you run into a situation where that company might be less likely to expand in that area. So it's in everybody's best interest that you get these, whoever takes on a new poultry farm, that they are as prepared and as effective as possible. So you're sort of, it's, it's, it's kind of like a whole environment that you're helping in here and you're helping kind of drive this entire economy by just assisting people and helping them, you know, be, be good at what they do. Right. Well, a lot of times if you're going to do new build, like a lot of times it's on family land, things like that. There's a lot of the expansions that I've, I'm only a part of the ones that are coming in and from the outside, um, the company actually will do really good. If you're a new farmer coming in and building when they're doing expansions, you are kind of depending on your service tech. Um, so every single farm is assigned. My husband used to be one. We call them flock supervisors, service techs, chicken police, whatever you want to call them. And chicken so, police. I like that. <laughs> they're saved in our phone as the chicken and police guard, the chicken police. And so um, everyone has their names for them. But um, and their their job is to guide you. They're, you know, you call them when something's wrong. If your birds are acting weird and they're all clinging to the walls or they're not eating or they're not gaining like you should, you call that service tech. They're going to come. They're actually so well-trained that they can cut the chicken open and tell you exactly what's wrong with your flock. Um, or either they're going to take it to the lab in Auburn, take a, a sample of them and take them to the lab to be tested. I mean, they take it very seriously. And those integrators provide you with that person who's making sure that you are following the rules, that you are providing the right amount of feed, the right amount of water, the right temperature, the right air quality, the right pressure. I mean, You'd be surprised what how scientific, how high tech these houses are. The wrong little bit of pressure, air pressure, too much, um, not enough wind flow, all that. It's going to alarm you. Like it's like, no, this is not perfect, and our chickens need perfect. So you need to come here and fix it. So I mean, it's very, very high tech. Um, and these flock supervisors come in to supervise you. They're there on behalf of the integrator, but they're also there to help you. They're there to help you do the best job you can do. And their goal is for you to succeed and grow the biggest and best bird you can. And so they're there for a lot of the new farmers. Um, you know, we've had a, a lot of friends that built houses with the last expansion in our area. And they, um, you know, they they were they were trained really well by the service takes. And they're there for that first flock a lot more than they are after that um, to really teach a lot to you. But when I'm the one selling the farm, or I'm the one that like a lot of times they'll say, okay, well, we're going to expand this many. I need you to find this many poultry build sites and, you know, clients, you know, that 
we need this many more outsiders coming to build. So at that point, that's when I'll train those. That's when I go and try to find a piece of land that's, you know, 1500 feet from that church and 1500 feet from any house and business and that we're off the road and that there's not another farm real close by that is going to, you know, of a different type. And so you have to be very, very curious on, on finding the right build site. Um, and then once you find that build site, you need to make sure it's not in a floodplain, that it's, you know, pretty decently leveled. It's not going to take a huge amount of money to construct these huge pads to build these chicken houses on. Um, and so it, it is a lot to it. But that's, you know, that's where we get to start from the beginning when it comes to expansions. And then most of the time we're coming in, like I said, if people get burned out after the first few years and, and selling that farm when they realize that either it just wasn't what they signed up for or it was more work than they realized or it took too much time from their family or Sometimes it's just other like medical things come up. I've had a lot of them that has been medical issues. You know, hey, I started out this perfectly healthy, but, you know, I've been ignoring this torn ACL all these years and now I've got to have surgery and I'm going to be unable to fulfill my farm. Um, so a lot of times it's, it's medical reasons. And then retirement. There's a lot of them that even though they're older growers and they have been in the poultry industry for years, they expanded. They had this other farm that might have been with the last big bill. The first big bill around here was um and for the Tyson in this particular area that I'm at was like, you have a lot of those 98, 2001. That was those, those years were the primary building for the Baker Hill complex. Um, mm -hmm. you got something to go back as far as the eighties when you get in the Wayne farm ones. Um, so a lot of those growers, they, they build on when there's an expansion, they'll add newer houses to keep their, their business going. I mean, they want to continue to grow chickens. I mean, it's just who you are. When you start your poultry producer, it's in your DNA. It just becomes who you are. It's part of your identity. So they continue that and they want it for their children and they want, well, then a lot of times though, children who are raised in it don't want chicken houses. They want to go on vacation. <laughs> they don't want to be tied down to a flock, you know? And so that's when dad all is falling going, look, I want a house on the beach. <laughs> let's, let's sell this farm to 1031 exchange. Let's go buy an investment property. I want that timber investment that required me to be there. You know, <laughs> like I just, I want to get out of this into something I can pass on to my kids that they'll, that they'll use, you know, like, yeah. You know, the thing is, okay, if your kid doesn't want the chicken houses, let's sell it. Let's do a 1031 exchange. Let's buy you a timber investment where all they have to do is let someone cut down the trees and they can go hunt it and enjoy it, you know. Right. So that, right. that's often what I run into is they, they built with the latest expansion, but then the kids didn't want it. So they're like, okay, I want out. <laughs> let's go, let's roll this into something that my kids do want and that they will use and they'll be happy to inherit. It. It's not work every day. Which makes a lot of sense. And that and that's very common in ag areas is you have a rotation of families. It's like it, it becomes like a family succession. And then you eventually get to that generation. It's like, I want to go to an apartment in the city. Mowing uh -huh. lawn is terrible. I don't even want to feed cows. Like yeah. th that happens. And and eventually you have a rotation. You have a new family come in and do that. So I can imagine it's similar with with the with the poultry industry. Um you but, you know, I, I see an amazing number of those kids come back. We sell it all. They don't. They're done. You know, they don't want nothing to do with farming. And then you fast forward, you know, and they get in their thirties and forties and all of a sudden they're coming back home and they want the same thing they grew up in. They want that way of life. It's not what they thought, you know, but they just, we're so sheltered in these small towns that usually have poultry. I mean, if you're looking at poultry farms, you're not going to find them in the middle of a big city. We want to be outside, you know, way away from the towns. You know, you want to, you want to be out in the most time they're in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's kind of what you're looking for with the poultry industry. You don't want to be in, on top of someone because they're so large and, you know, there is a lot of trucks in and out and live birds, you know, so you, they're usually in these rural towns and they want out of the little town. They want to move to the big city, but then they usually always come back. <laughs> which, which definitely makes sense. I I go through that 
just in my area, my, my wife and I have been just exploring moving back to where we grew up. Cause it's like, you know, you grow up in a small town, you want to get out and like, you want to experience everything. And then you, you do experience everything. And you're like, I need to go back to the small town. Cause I'm done with this. Um, which is totally a thing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word expansion a few times and you've mentioned how there was an original expansion in, in 2000, 2001, I think you said. And then, um, more recently, what is that? What What is an expansion? And when it comes down to poultry? Okay. So when I say expansion, I mean like, okay, we've had this processing facility that was built in that time frame of the first build that I was talking about. So they grow birds for a while. Everything runs foods. They, they, they've got it down to perfection, right? This is an art. They know exactly how many birds they can get through that plant. Okay. And then all the buyers are like, you're doing great. I need more. I need more. I need you to have this many more birds. You know, if you, if you had them, I'd buy this many more from you. So then we hit expansion. So like for us with our Tyson and Baker Hill, we added on another process. We, we renovated the whole process and facility and we added a whole second line. So we added the second line, which meant we just doubled our process and capabilities. Now we need to double the amount of rollers that we have in the field. Okay. So that means we have to build more pullets. We have to build more breeders and then we have to build more rollers. So that is what we call expansion. We, we've outgrown the capacity that we have. We've now doubled that capacity. So we need to meet the demands. So we need to expand everything. You've got to expand the feed mill. You've got to expand the processing. And then you have to build all these houses. And so we'll start out conservative. Usually they'll, they'll start out and say, okay, we just want this many. We'll start always with pullets and breeders. They have to be built first because you can't supply the rollers without the pullets and breeders. So that's the first department to expand. So the first round of expansion is always the pullets and the breeders. And then you start building on with the rollers. Well, with every round of expansions, and they usually, it's really funny, they usually always line up for a large area. So like if the demands increased for this process of facility, odds are it's increasing everywhere and all of them start expanding within a few years of each other. Um, And so it's really funny how that always happens, but usually the technology also is new. So like, whereas the first round of building um, back in that 99 to, or really all the way to eighties to, about 2011, I would say, um, most houses were 42 by 500 or smaller. Some of them were 42 by 400. You had small, they're narrow and long because that's why you can get that wind speed through there to maintain the air quality, the temperature and all that you need. Well, then when we started this big expansion, starting about 2011 was about the time food started. It got about 2015 for us. I mean, like, all these years, these people are experimenting with mega houses. That's what you see now. So now we went from 42 wide by 500 long to 60 wide and 600 feet long. So oh. now I can get the same bird capacity that goes in two of the old houses into one mega house. So it may, it reduced the amount of controllers I needed. It reduced the amount of roofs I have to maintain. It reduced the amount of trusses. I mean, it took your equipment. It still has the same amount of feed and water lines that you would have on the same operation if it had been normal house, but you only have four controllers. Whereas you, it would have been eight house farm, you would have had eight controllers. So now that four house mega farm can produce the same amount of birds as that eight house regular farm could have. So you get new technology. Okay, with our, with our big round of updates, we come out. Rotom is a big name brand in the poultry industry. It's the controller we use, the computer that runs our houses. We come out with Rotom communicators where we can literally pull up on our phones and see the exact temperature of every house. We can see the water pressure. We can see what's an alarm, what needs to be fixed all from your phone. 
you couldn't do that for you. Got to grow the go to the farm. You know, we still have to go to our farm. We don't have communicators, but um, chore time also come up with it. Um, big Dutchman. These are big name brands that are in the poultry industry. But we have an entire universities that have departments that are just for developing this technology. They're just for testing this out. What the best program is, the grow programs here in our area, Auburn University has this amazing facility and it is the poultry science technology center. And they have miniature chicken houses set up and they have their own miniature processing facility. And they are constantly testing out every new piece of equipment that comes out, which, which controllers are the best, which water nipples are the best, which one has the best output, which one holds up for the longest. So the technology advances, it seems like with every one of these expansions, it usually comes with big, big upgrades in technology. And then it makes the ones who have older houses want to add in new houses because they want this new technology or we'll update our existing houses to be compatible with what these can do. And so it always comes with new updates. Um, expansions come with nice shiny new equipment, new technology that we didn't have before. And it really drives those um universities and all to really put in the research and the research funds to it because when the expansions hit it goes everywhere so they really want to make sure that we're making the best decisions so this is i mean it's a it's a really sounds like a logistical just nightmare right as far as like <laughs> when, it, when it happens like we're going to grow right we're going to we're expanding the processing plant so it's not just we make the processing plant bigger and maybe people will make more chickens it's like no you have to do this whole process of acquiring land, getting the buildings in place, getting mm -hmm. the supply chain in place, making sure that they, the, the, the local, and you mentioned feed mills. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Like you got to make sure that there's enough feed getting transported to that area to support the chickens. And I'm, I'm assuming you don't just like throw a typical scratch at them. Like you, you have stuff that's supplied by Tyson or, or whoever the, you're using the word integrator, whoever the integrator or whatever the integrator uses for their food supply. It's probably a special mix that they get. So you got to make sure that that can get And so when we expand and we expand in the area, we're, we're helping the economy everywhere because now not only do we add more jobs to the processing plants, not only do we add more contract growers, but we added, we doubled the feed capacity, right? Well, your corn and all of your inputs, they come a lot of times from the local farmers, like by the truckloads, local farmers are what are supplying to the feed mills that are local to them. So we just increased the need for the farmers too. So, I mean, it, it is a full circle thing that helps everyone um, when we are doing this. So, I mean, it, it, it supplies jobs for the entire area. And so when everyone expands at one time, it creates a lot of new jobs. Because this is a whole ecosystem, time. right? Like this is a, this is a full top to bottom ecosystem. What, Cause I, I grew up in, I mean, you know, I've got a lot of rancher friends, got a lot of farmer friends and the big one, growing up was always timber. Like my dad was a logger. Most of my friends' dads were loggers. And it's, and you see a relationship between the community and the local sawmill that is pretty tight knit, but it's nothing like this. It, this is where like people are growing each other's food. People are growing the chickens that go to the processing plant that other people work on and the mill that, that processes what the farmers, like this is a full on full spectrum ecosystem as opposed to some of these other communities that, that I'm sort of used to. I just, it's, it's new to me. It's very interesting. And this isn't to downplay, you know, what you do see in some of these logging communities or, or what you see in some of the farming communities that I'm talking about. It's just that there have been certain changes that have taken place over the years where say, uh, uh, you know, a sawmill has closed and what, what's happened is, is there's a little more diversity in these communities. It's not just logging or not just farming or anything like that. It's not an enclosed ecosystem like what we're talking about here. This is poultry related ecosystem that you're that you're talking about. I'm sure there's other 
there, there's probably some diversity. I'm probably overstepping on some of this, but it, it just seems like this is much more intertwined than what sort of I'm accustomed to seeing. That's why this is all very interesting to me. It is. It's and it's it drives the entire economy for the areas they're in. Like one of our biggest economic drives here is the poultry facilities. I mean, everyone in our little area, you know, most of them's jobs somehow touch the poultry industry. Either they work on someone's poultry farm, they're cleaning out chicken houses, they own chicken houses, they work at the processor facility, they work at the feed mill, they work at the hatchery, they're the truck drivers that are driving to and from the farms, delivering the feed, delivering the chickens. I mean, like it touches an entire community um, in that circle. Like I said, we draw that triangle, that circle around it. Usually every family within that circle is touched somehow by the, by the poultry industry when an integrator comes um, into their area. And, and a lot of times that's another great thing is when we talk about expansion, sometimes it is a whole expansion. Like, okay, we're in this town and we don't have one in this part of this state. So let's go here and build one. So, I mean, sometimes expansion can be expanding where we're at in the process field we have and grow in this community that we've already established. But sometimes it's establishing a whole new processing plant in a whole new area where because we've already you know we've already started this one there's only so much more you can do they're running out of places that are 1500 feet from everything you know and so we need to go to a whole nother part of town and build these and you're creating all that job all those industries all those land purchases um you know you're making a big huge impact on that economy and the job force Oh, no, it's crazy because I'm just imagining like a room full of people looking at a map like, you know what we need? Let's build a village here because there's nothing there. We're just going to make a whole because you need you. You need it to be nowhere in the middle of nowhere. The more in the middle of nowhere it is, the better. So so what is, you know, I'm guessing there's. There's there's some cycles to the to the industry, just like with any industry, what what's going on in the poultry industry right now? Um, a lot of the triggers you're going to hear right now are where like where Tyson's, um, their stocks dropped and you start hearing, you know, you start hearing things like that and it kind of scares you. But let me tell you something. Chicken, I always tell everybody, chicken is one of the things that is like recession proof. So when everything's doing good, it's the most stable thing there is. When everything's doing great, right? Our economy's doing great. You know, everyone has good money. Everyone's working good. Okay. Well, then you get the niche markets of poultry. You know, then then everybody, they still want chicken. When they everything's doing good, you're still going to eat chicken. It might be the fancy restaurant and you might want to know the chicken's name that came from. But, you know, you're still eating chicken. But when everything goes bad and the economy starts dropping, guess what the cheapest protein is? Chicken. So whether times are great and doing good, the poultry industry is doing good. When times are bad and recessions hit and things kind of go through that dip, everybody's still eating chicken. So it is one of the most stable things you can get into. Well, what happened is we've had really great years. We've had a long time of really good years. And typically in the industry, there's a lot of just up and downs. You go through a lot of little hills and hollers, as I like to say. But we've just been on a hill. We've been climbing. We've been climbing for so long now without any dips that when COVID hit and all of a sudden we went to having a hard time getting employees to go into the process of facilities at all. You had shutdowns. You had long layout times. To get our employees back in, we had to up wages, we had to up benefits, we had to fight hard to get people to go to work. Well, then all of the components, all the inputs into the processing increased. I mean, it costs more for electricity now, it costs more for gas and propane, Um, you know, all the components to it. Well, it does for the feed too. So the inputs for the poultry feed, um, the corn, all the different things that go into it, all of the inputs 
have went up. The cost it takes to pay your employees have gone up, but the chicken still costs the same. It's that, you know, times are going down, so you can't jack up the price of chicken because then it wouldn't sell. So you can't increase the price of your products when times are not as good. So now that we've kind of coasted into that, it's not the market to jack up the price of poultry because then you make it unattainable for the families who need it, so which has always been the staple. So you're kind of binding yourself to you're you're gonna have a you're gonna have a profit shortfall during that time because you can't jack up the price as much. So then that would affect your stock value. Yeah. And they weren't prepared for it because everything's been so good for so long. There's been no hollers to the hills. It's just been straight mountain climbing. And so it just hit and it hit hard and it was unprepared for it um, because the management and all you have in place now and the and the experts you have and the corporate staff you have in all these places, they weren't around most likely for some of the shortcomings in the past. So they weren't as prepared. You get you get safe. You get not going to say sloppy, but you just get in that comfort zone, you know, where you're not trying, you know, you don't, you don't have that fail safe in place because it hadn't happened in so long and everything's going so good. You don't see it coming. And so in a lot of like Tyson was the first one hit because Tyson has the most exposure to, in my opinion, they're not only a poultry industry, they're also swine and they're also beef. And once again, you eat steaks when everything's good, but you don't eat steaks when everything's not good. You can't afford steaks. And so, I mean, like it hit them on more than one faucet. Like, the poultry part of it is what stabilizes their other two markets because it is so consistent. It's so dependable. Um, but even when this all hits, you know, even the poultry took a hit because those inputs that went up and I think their exposure in the other markets is what kind of drug it all down. I don't think it was poultry in general, um, but it definitely has taken a hit. And I think the other integrators, you'll see it for more than just Tyson. I think you're going to start seeing those corporate layoffs and other markets, other integrators as well. Um, but if you look back historically, they always bounce back. It's not going to stay low. It's going to come back. They can, they know how to cut the fat, get it back down and get it back going up um, because we need chicken. You're going to eat chicken no matter what, right? So it's going to keep being produced. It's going to come back. But there's a lot of benefits in this time. When things are rough, yes, interest rates are high, which makes it hard to go make a million dollar investment or $3 million investment. You know, that's usually the price range in these farms. You're anywhere from a million to $3 million, depending on what kind of operation you're buying or building. Um, so, I mean, this is a huge investment to take. And you're thinking that's some really high interest rates. But let me tell you, there is a benefit to take advantage of the market when things are unsure like this, when when you have, okay, the integrators taking a little hit and fall, that's pushing some people away. Um, the interest rates are high, that's pushing other folks away. So whereas maybe this time last year, I might've would have had a farm available for 24 hours and then I'd have had five offers on it. You actually can pick and choose. Like now I can actually take the time to show someone every farm I have available on the market. And guess what? When interest rates get better, there's usually most of the lenders have a binder that says, you know, hey, you can have one time for this fee to refinance, not refinance, but change your interest rate for a fee instead of having to refinance the whole thing. They know the interest rates are high too. The banks are really willing to work with you. Um, they're the NRCS and different programs like that. They really step in FSA. There's a lot of programs out there to help buyers get into the poultry industry. And the harder the times get, usually the harder they step in, the more that they're going to help, the more programs they create to be available. So you're coming into a time where you have less competition for the houses you want. Um, you're coming into a time where you have more assistance with government programs and farm agencies. And you're in a time where 
you're going to be valued. Like sometimes when things get really good as growers, we just become a number. We're just a farm and there's 50 million people behind us to replace us if we don't you know, want to do like we want to do or whatever. But we're valued. Like right now, they value the loyalty of the people who are staying in the industry. They value the people who are willing to step up and come in and continue this. I mean, so you have value right now and you're like a prized possession to the integrators. Whereas, you know, when everything's good and booming and everyone, we become a number, you know, you're just one of 50 integrators. Now you're one of the loyal integrators. You're one of the loyal, you know, growers and contractors. Whereas, you know, when everything's good, you're not as valued as much. <laughs> and so um, there's a lot of benefits to coming in to when the market is like it is. What's the old quote? Uh, I was going to say, what's the old, the old quote is uh, friendship doesn't mean much when times are good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so exactly they, the best quote for the poultry industry. Yeah, they, they value you when times are rough. And they, and and. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't have thought about that before, but chicken is sort of like the ubiquitous product. Like it's I, I, outside of the country. I think there's a lot of people that look at like they go to the store and they pick up chicken and they don't even associate it with an animal or the process or the fact that like that's meat. It's just it's a product on a shelf in a package half the time. And it's it's because it, it's hard because it's everywhere. It's in everything. It's in. And and so it's one of those. And you're exactly right. It's the most affordable pro, you know, source of like good protein you can find, you know, even even diets that like restrict red meat and stuff like that. It's like, so just go down to like chicken and rice and like, yep. so it's, it's always kind of a thing. Um, so market wise, they've taken a dip and it just recalibration time. It, it happens cyclically, but they just had a and I feel like everything, right? You know, every part of our economy right now, we just had this 20 year expansion economically where mm-hmm. the largest period of economic growth in our country's history without, without like a significant, you know, disaster. Right. And, and so like, we've got this long period of growth and then you have a lot of people that aren't ready. <laughs> That's right. And we'll, we'll all recalibrate. We'll, we'll get our bearings under us and everything yep. will but it's just, but there are so many benefits when you're living in that time of the pause, when everyone's regaining their bearings, there's so many things that you can take advantage of in that market. And that's what you, people need to understand is that it's going back up. So take advantage of what's there. Like this is the time, Hey, yeah, the interest rate may be higher, but that cash flow on that farm is probably going to be a little lower. And so that means you can get into the farm for less than what you probably could have last year. Um, and then when the, when the, interest rates change and they, you can fix that. Well, then you still got into that farm for a better price than what you would have a year ago. You didn't have the competing offers. You didn't have, so it's, it's a buyer's market right now. They need to look past the interest rate because that's a temporary and look at the permanent thing. That principal amount you're paying for that farm doesn't go away. So, I mean, if you don't have competing offers where you're having to pay over top and put more down and all that, then, you know, it's really a market to ease into and then you can fix the interest rate going forward. When it right. fixes then you can, but you can't, this is anywhere from a 10 to 15 to 20 year commitment. So, I mean, there's no way the interest rates are going to stay this high for the next 20 years, you know, somewhere in that you'll be able to lower that interest rate, but you, it's not going to change that principal amount you paid for that farm. Right. Right. So I talked to you before you won award for national broker. Let me get, let me get the title right the national broker of the year in agribusiness. I was just to say national broker of the year, but national broker of the year in agribusiness. I talked to you before that. And, and, and cause I mean, you know, we had our national convention and stuff and you just rattled off a little bit of this information <laughs> when we were there. It's like, every time I talked to like, you won that award. And I was like, yeah, of course. And, <laughs> and, and 
you're just talking about this stuff now. Um, you know this material so comfortably that you can just it, down to the nuts and bolts of the fan engines, right? Um, I'm just amazed by just you, you know this you know this this world. How long did it take you to build this knowledge? I'm going to be honest with you. My husband is who gets all the credit for that. Um, straight out of high school, he went to work with what is now Tyson. Back then it was Equity Group. But his dad actually helped build the processing plant when it originally came here. Um, and he was, by the time JoJo got out of high school, his dad was maintenance planner, maintenance superintendent. I mean, he was really high up at the processing plant. And so my husband went in kind of on the ground. He didn't want to work in that. You know, you don't ever want to work with that. So he went to the awful, the wastewater department of it. Um, there is not a chlorine pump. I mean, there's not. He would go. He would call me after he got off working on these electrical pumps in the middle of a sludge pond out there on this little skip. And I'm like, don't, don't tell me that. Or, you know, all the training he had to go through. So we were really hands on. It was a whole family thing. Like, I mean, it was just, you know, it's what his dad did. It's what, you know, we lived eat, sleep, and breathe the process and plant in that stage of life. Um, and then he became a flock supervisor. Well, my husband's not as technically advanced as a lot were. So I had to help in all aspects of that too. When it comes to working that smartphone, teaching him how to do that back then, um, <laughs> that thing, he'd always had a Southern link where you just press the button and a beep beep, you know, so we had to learn a lot. Um, and they, the, really the company has always been gracious enough that they've kind of always included me in everything. Like, you know, we always went to all the meetings together and also, and then I would help him on his farms that we would, he was the flock supervisor for, you know, a lot of times that meant we were out there at night going, figuring out what went wrong with that grower. You know, if he had something go up, Jojo was going, he was very dedicated to his growers. Um, and when we had our third child, we decided it was time for us to own our own farm. Um, and that's kind of when we transitioned from working for the integrator to growing for the integrator. And so, I mean, that we've just always done everything together. And it was just hands-on for both of us. Um, my farm is Raising Grace. That's the name of my farm. And it was actually named that because that's what propelled us into being producers was my daughter, Ailey Grace. It was all about growing grace. It was Raising Grace up on this farm. And so Raising Grace in the poultry industry and in the farming lifestyle, that was what it was all about. And so that is where the, my farm name came from. Um, my Does husband's it get competitive. I want to jump into. Does it get competitive with the other kids? Like one kid got the farm name and the others didn't. No, they never cared. They really <laughs> had it. Um, the, it, they knew that it was all about. You know, she's the baby. Everybody's oh, okay. world about her. I mean, their world is too. They give her whatever. She's just fooled. So they already know the world revolves around her. Okay. She in this house. I mean, like we all know, it's okay. We just <laughs> accept it. It's her world. We live in it. So. The first two are super close in age. So with her having the gap and coming the baby, she was their baby too. So she's as fool by them as she is us. That's funny. So, so it was, it was, it was, it was sort of passed down from like your husband's father to him. And then you jumped in and, and sort of directed the technology side. And now the kids are involved. Like this is a full, like, and that's why I wanted to ask is like, it's the full family. It's your whole life. Right. Like, well, and then his, he has, my husband has several siblings and actually his sister and brother-in-law also had breeder houses. So we've always helped in the breeder houses. Now they have bullet houses. So we have firsthand experience from running every type of farm because we've always had rulers. We've always helped in their breeders. Even as teenagers, we helped in their breeders. Um, now they have bullets as well. So, I mean, we have literally helped operate every facet, which is why I'm so knowledgeable on every type of farm. At this point, more knowledgeable than my husband from doing this, you know, the different types other than brewers, because he's always in brewers and I'm in all of them. But um, how often is he coming to you for advice now? 
Never. (laughs) (laughs) But now I will call him for advice. Like he doesn't have to deal with the breeders and the pullets as much, but now, you know, I'll call him when I'm sitting on the farm. I'm going, okay, look, because even my sellers, they'll call, they'll call me and my husband to help fix things with the rubber. I had one call me the other day. He's one of my favorites. And he was like, my dimmer is going crazy. What what do I need to do to fix this? And so JoJo got on the phone with him and helped him troubleshoot it because there's hardly anything in a poultry house my husband can't fix. And, you know, he went through so much training as a service state. There, there's not a, a computer, what we call them, the computer, um, in a house that he can't work on, whether it be Rotom or Tour Time or whatever. So he has just become known in this area for his expertise in the equipment and them and the maintenance because that's what he did before was maintenance. And so, I mean, he can fix anything in a chicken house and he can work on our, our computers in there. And so anyways, we get a lot of calls on help can fix this. He also cleans out chicken houses. So, I mean, like we are just, in, there's not an aspect of it that we're not into. And so I've always been one of those types that I'm a sponge. If I get excited about something or I'm all in on something, I'm all in. There's not a book I'm not going to read. There's not an article I'm not going to read. I need to know everything about it. And so uh, that's how, and even in the banking industry, I used to go into these processing plants all over wedding farms, um, Pilgrims, Tyson, and do what we call at work accounts. Well, I'm bilingual in Spanish and English. And so I was a shoe in for all of these plants and I would go in and help establish accounts for their direct deposits through BB&T. And so I've just always been huge in the poultry industry, like always been in the different integrators, had connections in all different integrators from even my banking experience now to the real estate. I love all that. That's fantastic. That's so cool. Um, and it's, and I, I, there's a part of me that identifies that my wife and I are both in marketing and it's funny because there's like, there's, there's competition and rivalry, but then there's also like, well, what do you do for this? And then it's like, so there's a camaraderie and there's rivalry and it's like, and then there's sort of like, you're kind of spying over the other one. Like what you doing here? Like it's, it's fun. It makes it fun like that. Um, But I, I, I do want to be respectful of your time. We, I've, I've got you like 20 minutes over now because I we, we kind of BSed before, so it's fine. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time and let you go. Um, tell me, you know, what are you doing now? Who are you looking to work with? And and you know, what do you? How do people get a hold of you? Give me give me your plug here at the end. Um, Never even made it to the apex award. <laughs> <laughs> do what? We never even made it to the Apex Award explaining that one either. Oh. <laughs> but, um, well, I was I was the Apex Award winner, um, the Broker of the Year for Agribusiness. That was a, a great blessing. Um, I was really, really surprised by it. Um, at this current market that I'm in, I'm just, I'm really looking um, for more inventory. I still have good buyers. I, I need some diversity. You know, there are some who are shying away from Tyson, even though they shouldn't, there are some that will, they'll turn around and go back to them. Um, a lot of what I have is Tyson inventory. So I definitely need more inventory with different integrators um, or for people who produce for different integrators. Um, definitely a lot of my buyers, I definitely always you know, want to help anyone who's looking to get into the industry. If you, you know, even if it's not something you want to do today, hey, call me and let's make you a plan. Let's make a plan that gets you up that down payment. Let's make a plan that invests in that piece of land that we can work on paying off. So that way when the next expansion rolls around, you're ready to build. Like this is this is a long-term thing. So let's make that plan and and get that in place. Um, so just anyone that I can help. If, if you're a buyer looking for a poultry farm right now, give me a call. If you're a, a person, a farmer, or just someone who is interested in the poultry industry and think they might eventually want to get into it. Or if you're young and starting out and think, well, I want to do this by the time I'm this age, 
give me a call. Let me help you make that plan. Let's make that plan a reality and set the things in place to make this easier when it comes time. Um, and if you are a farmer who is you know, ready to retire or have those children that won't take on the farm or, you know, just looking to get into a different industry, then give me a call and I'll be glad to help you. Um, I have a Facebook. Um, it is, uh, I have to pull it up. <laughs> it left me. <laughs> but I have a Facebook. Um, I, I have, let's see. I have my Facebook account. I stay on my emails every day. Um, I can, you know, we're on nationalland.com. Um, you can look us up by our different offices and mine's the Southeastern Land. My Facebook is the National Land Realty Southeast Alabama Poultry Division. Um, you can also contact any of my teammates on my team as well. They can point you to me. And my cell phone is listed on our website as well, along with my email address. I will include all the links to all of the things in the show notes for this. And uh, Ashley, it's always fantastic talking to you. Thank you very, very much for spending some time here today um, outside of outside of managing the things that you manage on a daily. Um, so it's very, very much appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on here. We're going to do this again. I need to I need to get some more information on poultry for sure up on on the podcast. So thank you again. Oh, and look for my latest blog coming out on the roller coaster ride of the poultry integrators. Yes, that will be coming out. Bryce is working on it right now. Okay, thanks. This concludes episode number 47 for the National Land Realty podcast, discussing all about poultry farms with National Land Realty agent Ashley McCraney. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.